podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back. I'm joined with my guy Dave, what's good? Yeah, not bad, not much bro. The listeners don't know the trials and tribulations that we've gone through to try and record this podcast. <laughs> it's been an hour and 40 minutes of sheer pain. Of hour and 40 minutes of L's upon L's upon L's. <laughs> Alright, cool, so let's get into it. So this is a podcast about trading. We have the trading connoisseur or expert or scholar, whichever you want to call it. Uh, I wouldn't call myself that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to big you up so that people come come send for you. <laughs> All right, cool. So, okay, let's start off with your background in trading. So, how did you get into trading, and what do you currently do now? Well, if you tell us as much information as you would like to, but I don't yeah, attest cool. it. Yeah. So, when I was at um, when I was at uni, I've always had an interest in economics. Firstly, mm. um, not so much the markets, but. Um, Basically, I saw a YouTube advert when I was about 17, I think it was, and um, it, was for, it was for a bucket shop broker, and a bucket shop broker is basically a broker that trades against you, they're crap, you're always going to lose, and <laughs> I put a bit of cash into it, um, and I lost it all. Um, the, more you, the more I got into it, the more I realized that you actually have to take it seriously, um, and then after a few years, I started getting semi-decent at it. Um, and then after uni, I went and worked for a broker. Um, I worked in as a FX sales guy and um, market analyst. And um, since then, I've I've traded for about eight or nine months. After I left there last April, I think it was. And yeah. now I'm setting up my own brokerage. Um, so that's the kind of timeline that I'm I'm on. So I've got a bit of knowledge, you know. I'd, I'd say I've got a bit of knowledge anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you do. Well, I like to believe so anyway. So, <laughs> so what is trading? So, how would you describe trading for those who don't really know? Because most of us kind of just see the glitz and glamour. Well, I suppose glitz and glamour we see of quotes, traders, unquote. So, what is trading? Well, firstly, I'll, well, I'll, I'll get onto the the glitz and glamour of those <laughs> uh, traders towards the, the middle <laughs> to the end of this. But trading is essentially looking to to, to speculate on the markets. Um, as a, when we're talking about a person trading at home, you're looking to speculate on the markets to 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 basically buy low, sell high, or sell high and buy it back low. Um, you're looking to make the difference between your entry entry and your your exit, um, whether you're selling or buying. That's literally trading, and it is purely supply and demand. So every time. That you're you're buy, every time that you're buying in the market, someone's selling back to you, mm. and um, every time you're selling, um, someone else is buying it back. Um, and literally, all price price changes are is just changes of the amount of buyers buyers and yeah. sellers at specific prices. You know, it's just normal supply and demand. That's all it is. That's literally all it is. Um, but you've got a load of different types. So you've got institutional type trading. Um, where they might be trading on behalf of clients. So in, in FX, for example, um, which is current currency trading, um, say Barclays might have Tesco as a client, for example, and Tesco might need to buy 
I don't know, two million pounds worth of stock from Poland. So they've got to transfer that into into euros. Yeah. Uh, sorry, it's not euros, lotties. Yeah. Um, so what they might have to do there is they might have to hedge some of their risk, which means... Um, sure, so. Yeah, you basically insure your position so that you don't lose too much. So you pay, you basically pay some, some money to make sure that you've got a fixed price and you can't go below or above that price that you're, you're trading at. Um, so Barclays might just initiate that trade, but Barclays may not be looking to make money off of that trade. They might just be looking to make the commission commission generated on that trade. So they wouldn't be looking to, they, they might sometimes look to speculate, but a lot of the time they're just looking to, to churn commissions for their clients. Um, but yeah, that's the, the main differences between institutional and the smaller guys, obviously massive, massive, uh, massively greater access to, to information, um, on price and, and obviously other traders on the bigger market where everyone has more money, mm. um, and capital itself. So some of these desks might be running, you know, 500 million pound budgets, for example, each desk. Um, and that's how much they've got to kind of make each year. Um, sometimes it's less. A lot of the time, it's a little bit less than that. But they do they do a load of load of uh, money a year, and that's the that's basically pure profit. Um, but I mean, the FX market, which is what I'm involved in, that's it's the biggest market in the world. There's almost six trillion dollars traded in it a day, and um, London's actually the biggest centre for it. So anyone who's looking to get involved in the FX market and they're from London is definitely the right place to be. It's the best place in it in the whole world. Very cool. So, um, like, so what are the different types of trades? So you talk about FX trading. Um, I see quite a lot of people discuss stuff like binary traders. So, like, for the people that don't know, what is a binary trader and why does it get certain negative connotations, shall I say? So I'm going to put it straight out there. Binary options is a total fucking bullshit, <laughs> bullshit thing to get um, involved in, right? You you never ever ever hear of um, Goldman Sachs, Deutsche Bank, or any of these big banks trading binary options, and there's a reason. For never that. ever, because it's pure fucking dog shit. <laughs> and basically, what binary options is is you see the um, you see the, the the roulette machines in bookies. Yeah. You're basically doing that every single time you go into a, a binary options trade, except um, the binary options broker who you trade through provides the platform um, is always going to be on the other side of that trade. Mm. Um, and they can manipulate their algorithm to make sure that you lose pretty much however much they want. There is no way that you can come out after 100, tra 100 binary options trades <clears throat> and be a winner. The reason is, is because you always have negative risk to rewards. So say, for example, you put one pound in, the max you can win is your stake plus 70p. Well, actually, no, you can't actually win your stake back. You just win the, um, you either lose your pound or you win 70p. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> right, so I guess you just add it on top of your account, but um, it's total negative risk to reward. And that's, that's one of the kind of first things you learn in trading is to have at least, um, uh, you know, your risk set to one and your reward set to one, at least. You never, ever have your risk set to one and your reward set to 50p because after 100 trades, if you lose 50 of those, then you're down half your account. Yep. Um, if that makes sense, I don't know if I went through that too quickly, but, but we have to, 
all you have to realize is binary options is total dog shit and this is why all the regulators now are stamping down on it um and especially these fucking wanky binary options affiliates as well <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name names but i think everyone knows who who they are and um whenever you hear do you want to join my trading team tell them to fuck off Excuse, excuse the language but it's true they make me sick I've reported quite a few to the FCA as well oh my so dear that's, that's going to be fun for them but um, most of the most of these binary options firms as well they go through Cyprus and um, the head of the Cyprus regulator recently actually said that she wants to ban binary options so oh that's, that's um, a, their market's in um, trouble it's fantastic do you know what do you want to know my main problem with binary options is is that <clears throat> they promise things to to people who are 18, 19, who have absolutely no knowledge of the financial markets, let alone having passed their A-levels, and they sell a dream. You know, these guys, what they do is, whenever you get um, someone to join the binary options brokerage, the broker automatically gives them, say, 40% of their deposit because they know they're not going to win it. Um, And um, they, they, they basically, these guys driving around all these cars make money off of the off the, um, the, the the fees paid to them from the brokerage. They don't make money trading binary options, but they make money from, you know, um, whatever else they provide, whatever, whatever what else, uh, other services they provide. And it's just, it's totally unfair. It's fraudulent and it should be classed as fraud as well because they know exactly what they're doing. It's not like they're unaware. Sorry. Anyway, it's <laughs> scathing. Yeah, but... Um... It's like if anybody's looking to actually, you know, get involved in training. Obviously, I'll link David's um, Twitter actually, but just do a bit more research. You know, anything, basically, anything you want to do in life, especially if it's involved your own capital, just do your research on it because, like, so many people will be quick to sell you a dream, and then you may chase that lifestyle that the the acquired trade or whatever skill you're looking to obtain may possibly provide, and that oh, can lead you, and that can lead you down a blind alley. Right, go on. And don't don't get me wrong as well. Um, trading FX is pretty dangerous, pretty time consuming, and pretty stressful. Um, but at least you you kind of have a chance at coming out at the end with a profit. With binary options, you don't because it's fixed odds. Um, whenever you have your odds fixed and you're trading against someone else, which is in this case the broker, because they make the price, you're always going to lose, and they're always going to win. Um, there are things that FX brokerages do as well, because I used to work for one, obviously. Um, they spike the price around so that your your trade gets stopped out and they make money and stuff like that. But um, if you can tell what they're doing and you understand what they're doing, you can kind of develop um, certain things to put into your strategy that kind of stops stops that from happening. But that's a little bit more advanced, but uh, at least with FX, it's, it's slightly different. All right, cool. So, um, what are the what are what would you say are the different misconceptions around trading? Um, the main one, obviously, is that how it's um, been advertised um, by brokerages and their marketing efforts has has pretty much made it seem as if it's quite easy. Um, when really the only successful traders that I I know, but a bar maybe a handful. Um, they spend a lot of time looking at stats. They spend a lot of time perfecting their edge, basically, which is what makes them profitable. Um, and they spend a lot of time um, doing trading. That is their that is their life. It's very difficult to trade um, around 
um, a job like it's made it's made to to seem. I mean, you can do if you trade longer term timeframes, but most day trading, if you're trading on say an hourly chart or a, you know below, it's difficult doing it off of your phone and stuff like that. It's very yeah. very hard. Most people, you know, they they do it like they they treat it like a full time job, even if they're still learning. The most successful ones that I know, but that's not saying that you shouldn't be doing it around um, a job and stuff like that. Um, or other commitments because you always have to make time to learn and there's, you don't get anywhere if you don't you know you have to make money somehow um, if you want to learn to to trade um, and you've got to be making money as you're trading because I guarantee you there's very few people that make money in the first year so that's so that's another business because quite a lot of people um, seem that like, make it seem like yeah once I, you start trading after a couple of weeks and that's it you're straight into the, you're straight into the racks upon racks upon racks and really it's more of a tough grind than that. Yeah, literally, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I'll tell you what, most of the people that say, oh, yeah, I made, uh, I made like 100% in one month. By month three, four, they're down, you know, half their account again. And it's like, because you don't have that, you don't understand what your strategy is mm. or what your edge is or um, really what you're doing, to be fair. Um, it's, it's honestly very, very difficult. It's one of the hardest things you can do because you're you're a player with your own emotions most of the time, and mm. a lot of people don't realise it. Okay, I was, um, a question that I didn't actually prep you for, but I'm gonna ask you now anyway. What are the what are the, what's like the average demographic of traders? So like, let's say if there was ten traders, how many of them are likely to be female? Uh, very few. I think it's probably five to ten percent would be female. Yeah, um, I, was, I was speaking less than one per one in ten. Let me let me say this: there's, um, I'd actually say that, that women are better um, better traders than men a lot of the time. Firstly, because they don't have um, they don't have the same requirement to be competitive against um, other traders, other, other traders, and what they see. Mm. Although they may not have the same risk taking abilities, they they're. They're able to make more calculated risks when it matters, if you get what I mean. Mm. Um, because they don't have that requirement to be like, oh, shit, yeah, I'm the best, I'm this, I'm that. Do you see what I mean? Um, so they can go about the business very quietly and very uh, meticulously. Whereas I think um, us guys, we can be pretty brash about stuff and start calling people dickheads. <laughs> <stuff like that. laughs> so, yeah, that's the, that's the main difference, I think. But... Um, yeah, there is a massive, massive um, kind of gulf between um, the, the, the two genders in trading. But I think a lot of it still comes down to risk-taking. Mm. Men, men naturally take more risks, um, and trading is all about taking risks and calculated risks. But that's not to say that there's no space for women, because I think there are some absolutely fantastic women traders as well. It's interesting the comment you made about men taking more risks, because you can you can you can kind of see that in the in the data when you look at hours worked per um, per gender, men tend to work more hours. That's why they kind of get tend to get paid more, because you kind of get paid per hour and per your per, per productivity. Oh, are we go, are we going into this one? Oh no 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 that 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 be for another day. But um, <laughs> no, but it's true. It's true, and and trading is a time consuming thing. Go on, go on. If you look at um, across a couple of different things, I mean, men more likely to die in their in their job. Yeah, um, I think it's like I think I saw something that it was not, last time I checked was about a year ago, 
it was like 97% of work quality deaths were men. Because they're yeah, more likely to take like yeah, so they're more likely to take riskier jobs. Obviously, life expectancy of men is lower. We're just we're just more risk take. We take more risks just in in nature of our in yeah, life really. And we we take more stupid risks as well. Like I said, um, women don't tend to take as many stupid risks, which is why they can be very good traders as well. Yeah, but it's about taking that risk in the first place, which is why men mainly are. Um, our traders or brokers, for example. Okay, cool. Um, another one um, interesting discussion that you kind of brought up actually was why, um, like, why trading is in kind of like important for the economy, or how would you how would you word it? Was that, is that a good way of wording it? What what place does trading have? Yeah, yeah, in yeah. The economy. Yeah. Well, if you consider the the the, the banking system, mm. okay, you've got all of these products and. Most of these products are actually provided um, to create some economic good. I mean, you've got some like uh, collateralized debt obligations for the housing crisis, which you could say to a certain extent they were useful, um, but really they they kind of fucked it up, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, completely. Um, but really, it's about price discovery process and and, and creating the. the the best price efficiency. So you want as as much liquidity in the market as possible because liquidity provides information. It provides information about price. Um, so if you've got loads of buyers and sellers in the market, it's like an auction process. You see, um, should I buy here? Is there a seller matching me here? If not, if there's not a seller that wants to sell there, I've got to go higher and yeah. buy higher. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Um, if there's loads of people in the market at each price level, you can trade really, really easily. And you know, say you go on holiday, for example. Mm. Mm. Actually, let me, let me give you this example. On Friday, when the election um, the election results come out, there was a thing that came out in the Independent that said um, the euro against the euro was below parity to the uh, sorry, the pound was below parity to the to the euro airports. So that meant that if you had a hundred euros, you got so if you had a hundred pounds, you would get ninety-seven euros back. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah. But the reason the reason why that happened is because on the election day, uh, basically they were using prices of the previous day to provide um, prices for the Friday. Mm. Okay. Um, and what happens when there's big major news events is that people step out of the market. And now, when I was talking about liquidity and buyers and sellers being in the market, if those buyers and sellers uh, step out of the market, there's less information about price. So what Monex or whatever the exchange, the Bureau de Change um, price was, it's basically reflecting the fact that they don't actually know what the right price should be. They still need to make a profit. So they make the difference between the buy and sell price of that currency pair wider so that they can get, get, a guarantee their profit. Yeah, that makes sense. Exactly. So if there were more people, it would be it would be tighter together, it'd be narrower. And that's called the spread. That's called the difference between the buy and the sell price. Um, and that's how brokers, banks, liquidity providers, that's how they, they make money on pretty much every single single asset. Um, it gets a lot more complicated than that when you go into like arbitraging, which is you know, I'm not gonna even go into it, but that's essentially how brokers make money. Um and the, the the Bureau de Change is a broker in that case because you're giving them one currency in exchange. Yeah, for another currency, which makes yeah. sense. Um, all right, cool. 
That's actually quite good. Um, I hope people understand that. If they don't, then you don't have to shout us. Uh, Fire some questions at me. Yeah, so one thing I want to speak about, um, let's try and make this as um, user-friendly as possible. What affects us, the market? Is that your dog or the cat? Can you hear it? Yeah. What are the effects trading has on the markets? Like, and if we can, um, let's t- discuss it with central bank policy as well. Um, okay, I actually wrote about this with um, the Swiss, um, the Swiss National Bank. The Swiss National Bank is actually probably the biggest hedge fund in in the world. Um, if you look at their holdings of U.S. equities, which is U.S. stocks, they own something like, uh, was it 18, 18 million shares of Apple? Jesus um, Christ. Like, no, sorry, 15 million shares of, no, no, it was 18. It was 18 share, million shares of uh, Apple, like 29 million shares of Amazon, something like this. Like their Apple, um, their, their Apple shares, the increase on Q4 of 2016 has netted them $545 million. Um, Jesus Christ. You know, this is massive, massive money, and that's a central bank. They can basically buy at any price, but basically what they've had to do is they've had to go into other assets like US stocks because um, the, the yield on government debt, so government bonds in Switzerland, is actually negative. So yeah, negative rates. Yeah, yeah. They're not getting anything back on that. So they have to pay for loads of different stuff, like QE, for example. Um, by QE, for, by, QE, by the way, is um, quantitative easing. So that's when basically um, a central bank kind of is printing the money, essentially. That's how I was like, off the, the easiest way to kind of describe it to, yeah. to kind of increase liquidity. And the, yeah, go on. It's not so much for the Swiss national banks that they have to do that, but for, for other central banks mm. like the Fed and, and the BOJ, for example, they have yeah. to do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, they need to put their money and make them turn a profit somewhere. They're a, they're a, they're a central bank and they mm. have to make money because, they're not get, because they've got negative yields. They've got to, they've got to try and make money um, Elsewhere. somehow. So, yeah, that's what, that's what they've been doing. So they've... Uh, they they own a huge 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 amount of um, U.S. equities. Now, the one issue that's going to have is that at some point when rates rise across the globe, um, the U.S. interest rate rise is probably going to happen on Wednesday. By the way, mm. there's a there's a 95.8 percent chance it's going to happen. Um, but when global rates start to rise again, they're going to start their yields are start going to go and how do I say their yields are going to turn positive again. So they're going to start getting a return. So they're likely to start selling all of those U.S. assets. Mm. What does that mean if you start selling um, assets when you've got that much of them? The price price goes down. Exactly. And we've seen today um, and Friday, actually, that Apple and Amazon and all of those have started to sell off. So I'm wondering, has that been the the Swiss National Bank? Probably not. It's probably me just in my bias because I wrote about it. (laughs) But... um, you know, it could be. We won't know until Q Q three, end of Q three, until they file their accounts. Um, but yeah, these are the things that can affect it because central banks these days they're not just there just to control the money supply. They do a shitload of other stuff. Like the Bank of Japan owns um, owns um, so many ETFs, which are called, which are exchange traded funds. funds. It's like a, a group of different assets you can just 
you can just pay like two hundred dollars for this one asset, and you it's inclusive of bonds, maybe uh, stocks, and all of that crap. Um, they own pretty much like seventy five percent of um, Japanese ETFs. It's crazy, which is insane. But uh, if you if you think about the Fed, um, that's the federal. The, that's federal reserve. That's the US um, central bank. Yeah, go on. That's the one. Basically, uh, Janet Yellen, who's the chairwoman of the, the Fed, um, she has wanted financial stability. And to, the only way you can get financial stability, because people pay so much attention to the stock markets, they think, oh, shit, if the stock market's dropped 10%, we're in recession, which isn't the case, it's just dropped. Um, she just wanted to keep financial stability, so the stock market going up, it gives economic confidence it makes people think that everything's okay. okay yeah so they keep buying stuff and they put a, they keep a fake smile on their face when really they're crying <laughs> gone up for yeah. however long um and she's just wanted economic stability so the fed has just been buying up all of these assets um and if you compare the stock market to um the the, the price of government bonds u.s 10-year bonds the bonds are probably overvalued, um, and it's kind of when you buy government bonds, it's almost like you're um, you're you're risk off, so you're you're scared because government bonds are quite safe. Yeah, they're safe investments. Yeah, um, equities aren't that safe, but both of them are rising at the same time. So it's clear that there's a distortion in, in the, the markets. markets, and that distortion has been created by the central bank that keeps buying these risky assets and keeping the stock markets up because people feel happy when the stock markets are high. Did you see that um, graphic? I think I might have been Zero Hedge in my tweet or Bloomberg, I can't remember, of like the bloated balance sheets of central of central banks, like I showed off a period of time, you know how it was like rocketed up and up and up and up and up and up. Crazy! It's all from it's all from QE. Yeah, so yeah, it's obviously it's all from QE. So from so relating it back to like the average person, um, what role do you feel like Q, um, QE plays in like the in like in what what's the word I should say maintaining the, the stagnation of our wages and just the current financial situation for the average person? Well, we don't actually. It's difficult to judge because I don't think it's been that great policy, but um, it, we might have been worse we off. Have, we might have been going through deflation without quantitative reason. Mm. Um, so we don't actually know. I don't want to get too deep into mm. it because uh, honestly, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what we'd have been like <laughs> without it. But um, I mean, it's, it's, it might have kept inflation up. Um, but I don't think the average person has really felt that much of a difference. But that's it. That's considering that wages haven't been going up for mm. 20 years now. Yeah, and obviously when you have no inflation, it doesn't, and your debt is rising. You're you're kind of mm. you're kind of fucked. But that's that, that's that's well, a, go on, you go on. Having, having said that, actually, remember the last podcast we did? Yeah, um, and we were talking about housing. Yeah, and um, how QE created a load of cheap. Um, cheap credit, so yeah. that might have might have increased housing costs while wages haven't been increasing. It's an equal rate, but yeah, but um, yeah. So, so the average person might have felt it like that. Yeah, which I'm pretty sure most people testify to the, the woes of the housing market. We'll probably get onto that on a later pod as well, actually, because people yeah. keep asking for it. But um, finally, um, the future of trading with like the rise of fintech so what do you see happening obviously like technology is 
is rising and rising. So how do you think that's going to affect um, trading? Um, it's difficult. I think um, a lot of trading now has moved to um, algorithms. Algor- al- algorithmic. Yeah. But having said that, a lot of the high-frequency trading firms, there's a, another one that shut uh, just... I think it was today, actually. I saw on LinkedIn earlier. I don't know the name of it. Um, but, you know, they're not faring too well. Um, it gets a little bit complicated after that. Because, yeah, you then want to start talking about stuff that's on exchange and off exchange and, and different products. But I think there's, still, there's definitely still a place for human traders in, mm. in, the, in the, the, the markets because no one can... No one can really tell um, the emotion of the market, and that's all. That's all the market is: is just fear and greed. Mm. No one can tell the emotion of the market like a human can. Um, so, I mean, although although an algorithm can see stuff based on volume and price and make a decision really quickly, over the long term, I would actually still bet that a human can. can uh, beat, uh, uh, algorithm. Yeah, on the short term, nah, mm. definitely not. On the longer term, yeah. Because they can see forward and see what's happened before and all of that kind of thing. Okay, cool. Well, I think that's pretty much it. Anything else you'd like to add? No, that was a quick one, mate. That was was nice and easy. Yeah, it's funny how our podcast lasted probably 10% of the actual (laughs) trying to get get it sorted. That was horrible. Okay, but yeah. Dave, thank you. So where can people read your stuff? follow you etc I know you have like two Twitter accounts because you're bipolar <laughs> <laughs> yeah go on to uh, David Bell FX it's probably the better one if you want to hear me talk about finance okay what about the one if you're your other one you don't disclose that one it's like two underscores DB and then four underscores it's very inventive why what, actually why do you have that I don't know it's because I don't want people to like people in finance to find me <laughs> 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 you might want to take take off your picture that might help I might just want to just delete it to be fair that's probably easier yeah <laughs> anyway yeah. and um well, I, yeah and where can they find any of your writing as well oh yeah that's in my bio that's on both of them um, yeah. so it's on Seeking Alpha I get paid per click by the way so everyone click it <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 I'm actually going to link that let's make you some money yeah let's make you some peace alright cool Dave thank you very much flip this money then we stack it up Burning bridges, niggas acting up. She on my body like I'm tied up. I ain't seen nobody bad as her. I ain't seen nobody bad as hers. I'ma get this money, I'ma grab it up. I've been stacking, I've been stacking. Just wait till I turn up. Turn up. Flip this money, then we stack it up. Burning bridges, niggas acting up. She on my body like I'm tied up. Sports Social Podcast Network.